So um, I want to get rolling uh, with, our, with our material for today. We're, for today, we're going to continue on uh, this Travel Light series. Now, you'll find note cards. Here's my suggestion for you. Um, I, I laid out note cards in, in each thing in front of the Bibles, and I would love for you, whether on your phone or a note card today, to maybe write down just one or two things. Now, I know you love to take feverish notes Whatever comes out of my mouth, you just want to write it down and keep it close throughout, especially my wife, Kelly. She just is like, speak, your servant is listening. <laughs> oh, what a joke that was. Um, when we talk about our material today, it's one of those things where I think it's easier to leave with one thing. This is a mental, this is the mental struggle. And, and it's easier to leave, note cards, I mean, they're all over my house. Note cards have, have changed my life over the past few years. Just writing down a simple thought and keeping it, you know, just in my pocket, keeping it with me, uh, to one thing for three weeks versus a whole bunch of, like, this is the thing that I'm going to obsess on. So I'd love for you to take some of this material. So um, we have... We've talked about the, the, the concept is of travel light. There, there are these burdens uh, that we carry. Maybe you got them from your parents growing up or some authority figure heaps something onto you that now you carry with you as you travel through life. Maybe some peers, some relationships, uh, could be some, some chemical stuff or, or, or disability you got from the factory that just makes life a little harder for you. Maybe there was a church or a spiritual authority that gave you some kind of a heavy burden that now you have to carry as you walk through life. And, and Jesus uh, comes to us through Scripture and says something very different. He talks about this uh, a light journey. So here's our inspiration verse verses for this series. I'm going to read that, and then we'll, uh, we'll move forward. He says, Come to me, <coughs> all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when we talk about the yoke in that specific use, uh, the uh, ancient teachers in Jesus' day and time, the religious teachers, uh, they had their own sets of unique uh, sets of interpretations. Follow these rules, emphasize these rules, and you'll have connection with God and harmony with people, God and man. And here's the rules to do it. And that was called their yoke. So when Jesus talks about his sets of teachings and um, emphases, he says, my teachings about what it means to be right with God and others are light and easy, and they aren't burdensome. So he invites us to lay down these burdens that we carry. So we started out talking about guilt, because I know that a lot of us struggle with guilt. And then last week we talked about pride, laying down. Actually, it, it's a burden to think or try to be perfect. Uh, and we talked about laying that down. This week we're going to talk about the big one. Okay, we're going to talk about laying down worry uh, or anxiety. How do we lay down worry or anxiety? Now, it's hard to believe that worry is a thing. Like, I've heard that there are actually people who say 
They believe in God. They believe in a loving God. They trust a loving God. And yet, they have the audacity to worry about whether or not he will take care of certain things in their life. Can you imagine that kind of hypocrisy? I mean, to, to say you believe and trust Jesus and then to worry about whether or not he will take care of you? Can you imagine that? Um, and any, anybody at Polaris that struggles with that kind of hypocrisy, say, say I. I've been teaching here for two, de- for two decades and there are still, no, i obviously kidding. I, you know, worry is a thing for me. It, it's one of my things, worry and anxiety. I come from a long line of worriers, don't I, Mom? We call, it, we call it concern in our family. It's not worry. We don't worry about things. We're just concerned. Now, worry, worry's been a struggle for me, but I can honestly say that over the past few years, uh, I've made great progress. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about a couple passages of Scripture and, and that deal with worry, and then a few techniques, a few techniques that I have, have found and have, that have discovered from reading and from listening to other people that have actually helped me make real progress with my proclivity to worry, with, with my anxiety. So I, I wish that, that I would have uncovered these uh, decades ago uh, but what I've learned, I'm going to share with you, and maybe there could just be one or two things. And you're like, that's my thing. I'm going to write that down on that note card and keep it with me. So here we go. I'm going to start with um, one of, uh, well, let me, um, yeah. Let's start with, with a way of understanding worry that's sort of a baseline to make sure we're thinking about worry the right way. So I'm going to start with uh, some some disturbing thoughts from Scripture about worry, which is kind of strange that when we talk about anxiety, I'm going to start with the most troubling thing that we could possibly uncover or discover about about the world. So here we go. John 10.10. This is all over Scripture. This is the most concise way that I think it's framed up in Scripture. John 10.10. The thief comes... Only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly or life to the fullest. So there is this, there is this thing in Scripture that is described throughout Scripture as the thief, the enemy, darkness, uh, Satan, the demonic the adversary, principalities, dominions. There are different ways different authors describe it, but it has to do with dark spiritual forces externally. And those forces, Jesus calls it the thief here in this passage, those forces are at work to destroy what God wants to do. So while God wants to bring you peace, the thief comes to steal it away. And there's simply no getting around Scripture. If we look at Scripture for advice uh, for godliness or to believe in something that's true about God or Jesus, then we have to accept all of it. And a clear message in the New Testament is that there are dark forces just like there are God forces. And those dark forces are, are at work. And we're going to see 
one of the primary things they do is to destroy our thinking. So I say this because it is not just you thinking wrong thoughts. It's, it's not just a war within your head. When I talk about worry and anxiety, there are external things. So we can't just, we can't just look at ourselves and say, stop thinking those thoughts. Because it doesn't just come from within. The Gospels start off talking about Jesus doing battle with Satan. And Satan is trying to take Jesus' thinking and twist it. Jesus tells Peter, Satan is trying to mess up your thinking. The Bible says that Satan stepped in to mess up Judas' thinking. Paul talks about Satan messing with our thinking. So, so I say that because this is, this is external. It's not just internal. Now, sure, that there are different chemical things that happen and different just natural thinking things that happen that make it difficult enough. But it's also an external battle. Let me say it a different way. When, when there is a beeping going off at a fast food restaurant because the fries are done, isn't that the most annoying thing ever? You can't just tell yourself, don't think about that. When the dude is chewing in the booth next to you, you can't just tell yourself, don't think about that. It makes it worse. If I were to stand here and just poke you, if I were to walk up to you and just poke your shoulder, just like real annoying, you know, just poke, poke, poke. You couldn't stand there and tell yourself, I just need to stop. God, God please help me to, to stop thinking about that poking, or, or I just need to ignore it, right? Because I'm outside, just keep poking. You would have to do something, fight back or dodge, move around, whatever, because it's, an, it's not coming from within. There's an external, and I say that because what we need to understand when it comes to anxiety is that it really just isn't our thinking. There's some external stuff out there as well, and we have to get good at fighting that off. We have to develop strategies and responses if we're really going to defeat our anxiety issues because the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy even though Jesus comes to, so we can travel light. <clears throat> I hope that makes sense. <clears throat> so let's start, let's start there. Now I want to move to um, Jesus' advice. So Jesus has a lot to say about worry and anxiety. Some very famous words from Jesus. So I want to move to that. Luke 12. Luke 12. <clears throat> Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, like what you'll eat, or your body, what you'll wear. For life is more important than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you, you are, than birds? Who of you, by worrying can add a single hour to your life. Isn't that humbling? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? We'll get back to that in a minute. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world, people far from God, run after all such things. Your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. Instead, seek first his kingdom, his way of life. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Now here's what I love about what Jesus says here. It doesn't come at us in command form. Jesus doesn't say, stop worrying. I'll give you something to worry about. Like if ever there was a person that could have done that, it's the, the creator, right? Stop worrying or I'll give you something to worry about. I had a friend who used to say, to, you know, worry's a sin. Like, oh, well, okay. This, that, that heavy load of guilt will really help my anxiety. <laughs> um, he doesn't do that. Instead, he gives us like, don't think like this. Instead, think like this. Don't think like this. Instead, do this. Like he, he, he comes at it more like, let's replace the bad thoughts with the right thoughts, with the correct thoughts, with better thoughts, with better actions. Rather than do this, try doing this. And I so appreciate Jesus' approach with that. So let me move on now to a few... Um, Techniques that have been very helpful for me um, in, in really dealing with day-to-day -day anxiety. Okay, so the, the first one, I can honestly say this, is, this was a life changer. Um, it comes right out of Scripture. You've probably heard it before, but it's actually deciding, I'm going to start doing this. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Habit number one, technique number one, talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. Your brain has plenty to say. So does the enemy. But talk to, so, so let, me get to, let me get to Paul here in, in 2 Corinthians 10. And we'll see how he tells us about this. For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war according to the flesh. In other words, we see everything physical here, this water bottle, this table, my skin. This is not about that. So he's, he's talking about something spiritual, okay? Like we talked about earlier with the enemy. This is something spiritual, Paul's saying. That's a war. Okay, we're going to war. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, uh, not of the flesh, but have divine powers to destroy strongholds. So he's talking about, like when he says stronghold, that's like a spiritual word. It's talking about a spiritual kingdom or, or there's an idea of like a, a, an entrapment kind of device. Like picture oppressive chains, medieval, okay? We destroy arguments. So now we're talking about like a thinking kind of a thing. Arguments. And every lofty opinion. So this is mental. Raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Jesus. 
every thought. So Paul here is talking about a discipline. When you talk about every thought, this isn't like sometimes. He's talking about this is an ongoing battle. There's always all this stuff, and it's mental, and it's coming at you from your own brain, and it's coming at you from the enemy. It's a battle. He says it. And then he says, our discipline is to take every thought captive. The idea there is you're grabbing it and you're transforming it. You're bringing it into obedience. It's like the wild horse being tamed. And you're doing that regularly because we got all this stuff going on in our brain all the time. And so it becomes this discipline when you hear yourself. And my brain goes a million miles a minute, especially when I put my head on the pillow. And I'm nothing compared to a lot of you because I talk to a lot of you and it's, it's even worse. It's like tormented with the stuff in your brain. That's, that's, and there's this discipline of taking every thought captive. And so what you start to do is you start to recognize when your brains run off the trails, off the rails, and you bring it back into alignment with the teachings of Jesus. Incidentally, that's why we have to be familiar with the Gospels, with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the life and teachings of Jesus, the actions and examples of Jesus, so that we can correct, correct the train when it's off track. We take the thoughts captive. We, bring, we, we talk to ourselves rather than listen to ourselves. Now, let me get specific. This is one of the ways that that this and this for me, this was this was probably like the most useful thing I have ever done in the past five years in terms of just just growth. Okay, so I'm going to show you one of my cards. So you got you got your index cards. This little exercise is how I talk to myself instead of listening to myself because you know I can't, I'll catch it like I'm worrying about something. I got an anxious thought, and then I'll, I'll run it through this test right here. I carried this card with me all over the place until it was like second nature, okay? Should I be worried about this? Worried, concerned, whatever, okay? Should I be worried about this? Thing number one, is it happening right now? Now, Jesus tells us in in the book of Matthew, um, don't worry about tomorrow. Clear teaching of Jesus. Don't worry about tomorrow. And we know in the Bible we're not allowed to worry about our past because the Bible says that anything that we've done in the past, that's gone. God doesn't remember it, neither should we. So Jesus, if we follow him, tells us you're not allowed to worry about the future. Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. Don't worry about tomorrow. And we know if we follow scripture, we're not allowed to worry about the past. So if it's not happening right now, we're not allowed to worry about it. Now here's what I've learned. You can teach your brain. Your brain will submit. If you tell yourself enough, I'm not allowed to worry about it if it's not happening right now, it will, I prom- it, it will start to listen to you. Like, you'll, you'll st- oh, I can't worry about that. I'm not allowed to. You're not allowed to worry about the future, Jesus says. You're not allowed to worry about the past, the Bible says. So if it's not happening right now, then the answer is no. You shouldn't be concerned or worried about it. Now, if we can get good at that, that's 80% right there, right? Like if we seriously stopped worrying about stuff that's not happening right now, what percentage is that of the stuff that keeps us up at night? That's a lot, right? Then, 
Is it something I can control? How does Jesus say it? You can't add a single hour to your life. So he's saying, don't worry about what you cannot control. So let's say it passes the is it happening now test. Now we move on to is it something in my span of control? And if it's not, you can't worry about it because we can't worry about the things that we... If you can't add an hour to your life, what Jesus is basically saying is if, if it's out of your control, don't worry about it. So now it's is it in my control? And that eliminates a whole other huge percentage of the stuff that we worry about. I, a lot of what we worry about is totally out of our control. And then finally, is it something God cares about? Now that's the thing that will humble you real quick. When you realize most of the stuff we worry like when I'm up, I'm like, oh my gosh, is my kid going to keep shortstop? Or is one of the coach's kids going to take that from him? Is he going to keep a space in the lineup? Is he going to make the high school team? Is he going to... And it's like, does God, hey, Alex, God doesn't care at all. Um, and if he does, it's way down the list compared to other things that, but after I've run my cares through those things, I'm usually back like, okay, you're being ridiculous, Alex. Like that eliminates a lot of it right there, those three questions. Then, if it is something you can control, <clears throat> here's, this was very useful. Let's say it's happening right now, and you can control, like let's say you have some bills due, and you know that you're not in a great uh, position to, uh, then what you're going to do is you're going to focus on, let's say you worry about your health right now. You turn your focus to developing something you could actually do, like it's in your control, you could actually do to reduce the problem, even if just a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's say that it's finance. You could say, okay, I'm going to control what I can. I'm going to control what I can. Control what you can, accept the rest. I'm going to control what I can. I'm going to get with Phil Beck or Sarah Luck. Um, there are Polaris financial counselors. I've met with dozens and dozens of people. And I'm going to have them look over my stuff and come up with maybe a plan. And I'm going to focus on working that plan. Or maybe you're going to eat pancakes and mac and cheese for two months till you get the money to pay that bill or till you get a little reserve bill. You're going to come up with, let's say it's your physical health you worry about. You're going to schedule gym time. You're going to schedule some wellness visits. You're going to do, you're going to say, what can I control even just a little bit to reduce my anxiety? And then you're going to focus on just what you can control. You got your plan, you're going to focus on that. That leads me to the third thing, okay? Take a look at this guy. Everybody loves him. The Belichick principle. Now, I personally really like listening to Bill Belichick. I respect uh, what he does, most of what he does, in, in the, the, the dynasty realm. But if you listen to him at press conferences and the press can't stand him, why? Because they can't get any juice. Because whenever he's confronted with anything, what's he say? We're just focused on Sunday. Like, and he's not, like, emotional about it. He's not mad about it. He's not, just we're focused on Sunday. We're focused on Sunday. This past week, Antonio Brown, we're focused on the Bills. We're just focused on the Bills. We're just focused on the Bills. And you know why he says that? Because that's what they're focused on. And it does, it's gone pretty well for them. Like, he is always and only focused on the next thing that he can control. And so, 
once you have your plan for what you can control, then when that enemy voice, whether it comes from inside or it comes from external, when, when your brain is messing with you or the enemy is messing with you, then you have your plan and you just focus on that and you tell yourself because you talk to yourself rather than listen to yourself, I'm just focused on my plan. I'm just focused on my routine. I do this all the time with my sermons when I'm like, what if I, I'm, what if I bomb? And I may bomb every week and I probably don't know it half the time when I do. But it's like, what, what if I bomb? What if this doesn't go well? Well, you know what? I have my, I have my time to prepare uh, I have my, my, my topic clear. I'm going to go to bed in time to get a good night's sleep beforehand. I got my Sunday morning routine at Panera to get me, like, I'm, I, I got my plan. I'm going to work my plan. I'm going to control what I can. I'm going to control what I can. And it brings yourself back around to only focusing on what you can control and then staying on that topic. And I think if you can, if you can get to that, that Belichick principle has been huge for me to say during my anxiety, well, here's what I can control and I'm focused on that. I'm going to focus on what I can do. For me, those, those three techniques, to talk to yourself, uh, the, the what can I control, the little rundown, the little index card thing, and then the Belichick thing, uh, they have been huge for me in actually reducing my anxiety and actually combating the voice that stirs up worry. All right. Closing thought. <clears throat> so Jesus says, <clears throat> look at nature. Look at the simple beauty that surrounds us. Look at the birds, the beauty of the wildflowers as the leaves start to change right now. And he says, no one is worried about them, yet they're naturally well kept. How much more will God take care of of you. And then Jesus invites us to apply God's creative concern for nature to an understanding of his love for us. How much more does he love you? The God who unfolds the rose with faithfulness every year and feeds the sparrows with berries where they're not even worried or storing up for themselves, he'll certainly care for you throughout your journey here and beyond. Now read this, please read this with me, this last verse. Ready, go. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now that word cast, it's an aggressive word. It means like throw or heave or heap. It's like, Argh! it's aggressive. And God says, with our anxieties, that we aggressively cast them on him. We get in the habit of casting our anxieties on him. We work at it. You recognize your mind talking to you, or the enemy talking to you, and you stop listening and you start talking. And you take action and you Throw your concern on God. Here, you take it. That's your prayer. And the God who clothes the flowers in splendor promises to guard your heart and your mind throughout your journey home. Let's pray. Father, we're going to trust you. 
And we're going to, right now, we're going to throw some things on you that have been burdening us and holding us down. And we're going to try to develop the discipline of taking our thoughts captive, of announcing what is true. When our mind and the enemy lies to us, we're going to announce what is true. We're going to focus on only things that we can do and trust you with the rest. Thank you for caring uh, for your creation and all the more caring for our needs. In Jesus' name, amen.